Hey, good morning. Hey, Lee. How you doing? Well, now it just feels like I'm talking to just you. Sorry. That was, I heard someone say, hey, if you don't know me, my name is Brett Machatz. I'm the worship young adults pastor here at Life Community Church. Uh, and we are just so excited to be here this morning and worship with you all. Uh, if this is your first time here, we're excited uh, to have you with us this morning. And we just wanted to tell you that this morning's worship is going to be a little bit different than uh, what you might be used to around here. Uh, don't worry, we're still singing. I know some of you might be worried that we're not doing that. But we are still singing. Uh, a few of the songs will be familiar, and some of them won't, but that's okay. It's always exciting to learn some new songs. Uh, we will be leading in English. We will also be leading in Spanish, and sometimes we'll be going back and forth between the two. Uh, but we'll lead you, don't worry. And like I said last week, what's most important is not that you're singing the English perfectly along with us or the Spanish perfectly along with us. What's most important is that you are worshiping your Lord and Savior in the moment this morning. Along with singing, we're putting a larger emphasis on the Bible, uh, God's word, than we might normally. Uh, before each song, we're all going to read some scripture handpicked by us, uh, which will lead us into the song that follows. Um, our goal, our hope, and our prayer this morning is that we are able to lead you all to the truths found throughout God's word and how they connect to the songs that we sing here each week. So this time is not only a time for singing, but it's also a time for reflecting. So as we worship together, let's stand and let's focus all of our hearts solely on God's word and his work in our lives at this moment. We're going to start by reading from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when, I, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive yours. Romanos 8, del 12 al 17, dice, Así que, hermanos, deudores somos, no a la carne, para que vivamos conforme a la carne. Porque si vivís conforme a la carne, moriréis. Mas si por el Espíritu hacéis morir las obras de la carne, viviréis. Porque todos los que son guiados por el Espíritu de Dios, estos son hijos de Dios. Pues no habéis recibido el Espíritu de esclavitud para estar otra vez en temor, sino que habéis recibido el Espíritu de adopción por el cual clamamos, Abba Padre. El Espíritu mismo da testimonio a nuestro espíritu de que somos hijos de Dios. Y si hijos también herederos, herederos de Dios y coherederos con Cristo. Si es que parecemos juntamente con Él, para que juntamente con Él seamos 
glorificados. Colossians 3, 1 through 10. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, but when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its... Lord, we thank you that you have saved us. We thank you for all of your blessings. We thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can be here and we can sing that truth together. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. If you want to stay, stand. I'm fine. No, but just <laughs> take a seat for now. Uh, we are here. My name is Armando, and this is Rachel. Rachel, nice to meet you. Nice to <laughs> uh, we are having a mission moment, and I know that you have some questions. For this reason, we are having this moment. And the first question that I have is, what happened with the backpacks, where we are? When is the last day to bring the backpacks? Well, my procrastinators, today is the last day. Oh, I brought no. mine in today. But saying that, if you have sponsored a child and you're like, ooh, crap, one more day, I just need one more day, we're not going to turn you away. But we'll probably shake our finger at you. So bring them in ASAP because we need to get them packed up in boxes. And if you have not seen that process, it is a process. Um, to get ready for the sours who are coming in like two weeks, something yeah. like that. Yes. September yes. I should know that. He's staying in my house. No. Okay, the other question is, because you was talking about Honduras sours, what happened? Do we have any other more mission? We are planning to go to Honduras anytime soon. And if yes, what, if I want to go, what I should do? Well, I'm so glad you asked, because we have two trips coming up. The first one is in uh, February. It's that, like, last week of February into March. Uh, the people that are signed up so far are really fun. So if you haven't looked, check out who's coming, because it's going to be – it's always an awesome group. Every year it's different, and it's amazing who he brings together, but it's a super fun group going. Um, we can always use some more people. We'll definitely be handing out uh, our backpacks that we're packing up now. And then uh, I'm talking with the Sours to see if there's any other opportunities to serve there in Arenales or with the Sours. Um, so more to come. That's like a surprise gift if you sign up. You get a surprise, you know, um, extra bonus on the trip. And then next summer will be uh, the bigger kind of VBS trip that we normally do. Um, and we'll be having some meetings coming up about that. All of it's on mylcc.info, um, but it's not too late for February, so look and see who's coming, pray about it. If you've been thinking about it, just say yes. It's so easy. Just say yes, show up, we'll guide you along. It'll be good. Now, what about if I am not You do. Okay. <laughs> you do now. <laughs> you, 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 you do. I mean, I've told this a million times. 
I am not meant to go on mission trips, and I've been five times, and it's wonderful, and you learn something new every time, and, you know, only recently have I seen bugs in my room, so God, like, you know, moved me in slowly. So I didn't see bugs the first time. I was like, this is great. There aren't even any bugs here. There are. He just knew I wasn't ready. So it will all be okay. He'll take care of it. Okay, great. Now, we believe that mission is not only what we are doing in Honduras. We believe that mission is what we are doing every day in our life. And we want to take a moment right now to pray for our kids. If you are in the school or starting the school or this is your last day of school, we want to invite you to come to the front and we want to pray for you. The last to come don't have uh, lunch today, parents. <laughs> who is the last? Who is the last? I'm going to check who is the last. I see Hicker, Javi coming the last. Who is? Who is last? Hope. <laughs> okay, these are our kids and we are responsible for them. And now you have faces, and you can pray over them today, but also during the week, during this year, they are facing a lot. They are dealing with a lot. And this is our church. And I want to say two things to you. One is that you are ready to go to this mission every day to the school. And the second thing that I want to say to you is that we are supporting you. You have a church behind you praying for you. It's true or not? Okay. What grade are you going? Third. Third. Nine. 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 This is hard. Rachel? Seven. Seven? Are you starting a school? Okay. I want that you stand up just for a moment, for a minute. And... I'm going to lead on pray, but I want that everyone pray now. If you can extend your hand here and pray over them. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to pray over them. This is your moment. I want to hear your voices. Dios, te amamos y confiamos que tú tienes un plan para la nueva generación. We are trusting that you have a plan for the new generation. And we are trusting that you have a plan in Hilliard for this generation and you are using our kids to do that. I'm praying that you bless them, that you bless the classroom where they are and that you are taking your mission with them wherever they are. I'm praying for the kids around them. I'm praying for the, kid, uh, for, for, for the teachers around them. And I'm praying over everything that you bless them with your presence every day. God, we love you. And we are claiming at this time for your kids represented here. 
just bring your Holy Spirit in a powerful way that they can go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. And that you can bring salvation to Columbus, to Ohio, and to United States because of them. Thank you because you are a good God. And thank you because sometimes we are not seeing them, but you are seeing them all the time. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Now you can go to your class. Don't stop. Don't say hi to your parents. Go to your class. And I go to see who is the last one to go to the class. And I have one more announcement. Next week is first Sunday of the month. If you want more information, you can go to mylcc.info. Uh, we are having, what are we having next door? That's me? Yes. Uh, found a sign-up team. Okay. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. If you want to bring something, just uh, sign there and try to help bring in something. Have a blessed day. All right. Thanks, Armando. We are connected to each other, so just for a moment, you don't need to stand up, but just look down your row, okay, and wave to somebody else. All right, we're connected to each other, okay? Welcome, I'm, I'm Dan, lead pastor here, and uh, we are going to continue our series in the Word today, which I'm really excited about. Um, I, I am not a fan of cold water, especially in the morning. I don't like it. Unfortunately, at the Y, I'm usually the first one to get to the sink and to shave in the morning, so I turn on the water, and every time, Every time it's cold, right? Turn on hot, but it comes out cold. Now, I understand that that happens, and it takes time for the water to warm up, but it's unnatural at the Y. It's unnatural. I know it's a distance thing that the water's got to travel from the hot water heater, right, through the pipes to the faucet, blah, 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 but it's unnatural at the Y. It takes a long time. I hate cold water. I feel your compassion for me. You're feeling it, right? You know, you're, I just feel you're with me. Well, I think I figured out what's going on and, and why this is happening. So I got a map here because I know we like maps, right? So I'm going to show you exactly what I think is happening, all right? You got the Hilliard Y right there, right? And what I think is happening is upon me turning on the faucet, all right, the water departs traveling underground going down Cosgray Road, it takes a left on Saddle Darby, underground, gets to the roundabout, which it, the water's finally learned how to navigate, the roundabout there. It continues down the same road, which is now a different name. Don't know why that is. Goes past Swenson's, goes past Leap Road, goes past this amazing church right here, all right, that smells a little bit like smoke still. But it gets on, wait, I got more. It's going down to 270 now. It's traveling underground down 270. It avoids the Roberts Road exit, of course. Keeps going down about 3.6 miles. Gets to the hilltop, to the YMCA at the hilltop, all right, where it enters the water heater, leaves hot, goes all the way back to Hilliard, and it arrives just after I finish shaving with cold water. It happens every day. It's unnatural. It's unnatural. Now, I'm exaggerating, okay, if you didn't pick it up, please don't go to the Y and say, listen, that's really inefficient. You shouldn't do things that way. 
But the point is proximity, proximity to the water heater. It makes a difference, right, for the usefulness of the water. So last week we talked about, we began to talk about the Word of God, the Bible. And we talked about the words that God has revealed to us. And I would encourage you to go back and watch. Last week was fantastic, just laying the foundation of, of what we believe about the Bible. And we actually broke down our, our position on the Bible, which I want us to read together. Okay, we're going to all read it together here. Okay, so read it with me. Here we go. We believe the original texts of the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, historically accepted by the church as the Holy Scriptures, are God-breathed. These scriptures, written by holy men who were chosen and equipped by God for this special task, are the truth and final authority in all matters of faith and practice. All right. Now, if, if we believe that, if we believe that about the Bible, then proximity to the Bible is essential. If we want to know the God who saved us, right, if we want to participate and go along with where he's going, it's essential. The farther we distance ourselves from God's words, the less they speak into our life, and the more inclined we are to live self-directed, self-focused kind of lives. Tom said last week this, what we do with the Bible really reveals what we believe about the Bible. So what, what do you do with it? What do you believe about it? Why do you think you need it in your life? How are you positioning yourself to take it in? How do we faithfully handle the amazing book that God has given us, this collection of letters that God's given to us. We're going to start today with Jesus and what he did. We're going to look at his life. So you can turn to Matthew chapter 4 in the Bible, Matthew chapter 4. And as you do, know this, Jesus is coming off this incredibly high moment, right? He's had this amazing experience. He's just been baptized by John. And at his baptism, the Spirit descends on him, right? And the Father's voice is there. The Father is saying, this is my son whom I love. I'm well pleased. This is just a beautiful moment. But things are about to change rapidly here. And so we're going to read. So read along with me if we have it. It looks like we don't have it. So I'm just going to read it. Okay? Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It's written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. All right, so Matthew 4, 1 through 4. And as we read that passage, we, we begin to see something right away. Jesus receives in a couple different ways. First of all, he's led by the Spirit. We see that in, in verse 1. He's led by the Spirit. Secondly, he lives on the words that are spoken by his Father. He lives on the words that are spoken by his Father. Now, you can't fully unpack that whole passage, right, without understanding its close connection to the Old Testament to God's people, Israel, and they're wandering for 40 years in the desert. If you remember that, if you remember that time, God provided for them. He gave them bread from heaven. It was called manna. 
Sometimes he provided it. Sometimes he took it away. Okay? If you go back to that account in Deuteronomy 8, you find out why God gave it, why he took it away. It says he did this to reveal their hearts. He did this to see if they would live by his words, if they would feed on his words. Right? And now here's Jesus in the desert. He's experiencing hunger and fasting. He's alone. And the devil sees this opportunity to attack. And he approaches Jesus with a simple exit ramp. Right? Use your power. Use your power to satisfy. Take a shortcut from your mission, from what God is speaking and telling you to do, and do something you want. Do something for yourself. Find life somewhere else. Just take this exit for a moment. Now, Jesus, who's steeped in God's word, steeped in it, right? He sees through this immediately. He speaks God's very words back to the enemy. He says, life doesn't come just from bread. Life comes from feeding on the words that God speaks. Life comes from him, not from what you're offering. And what's interesting about this this whole account is with all the power at his disposal, here's Jesus. In all his power, we saw all that he did while he was here, right? He could have done something, but he chose to fight. He chose to battle as a man. He chose to battle as us, right? He understood. He understood the words of God. He knew the words of God, and he used them as as his weapon. They were right with him. Those words were right with him. The Proverbs talks about um, tying the truth of God's word around your neck, writing it on your heart. Those words were with Jesus, right? The faucet was turned on, and the words were right there. It was warm. It was right there, ready to be said. And this is, this is for us as, as a church here because we need, we need to be in proximity. We need to be in proximity to what God says. To his truth, we need it daily. We need it deeply. If we don't, we're missing out on the life that Jesus has called us to, the life he brought us. Now, we look at his life, right? Jesus knew the Old Testament. He quoted from it. He quoted from it regularly. He also, he not only quoted from it, he anticipated that his disciples would speak truth, right? that they would speak truth on his behalf. In John 16, he, he, he says that he trusted that the spirit of truth would guide his disciples to speak his words, right? Today we've got the New Testament. They did that. They spoke his words. So Jesus fed on the words of God. He fed on the words of God. And we need the same thing. We need to feed on the words of God, right? Now we read in Hebrews 4 this about the word of God. Okay, the word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The, The word is living and active. It's a revealer. It's a revealer. It is soul penetrating. Have you experienced that? 
Have you experienced the way it penetrates into your life? The way it convicts, the way it leads? Where else can you go to have that kind of input in your life? I, you know, the Hilliard just came out with this document, this 166-page document, right? Community plan for what's happening, what's coming. 166 pages. That's a lot. That's a lot to read, right? 166 pages. And I read it. You know why? Because I found out, somebody told me that my house is in, in danger of being uh, taken down for development, right? So it intersected with my life in a very real way. I'm like, oh, I better read this. I better read every detail on it, right? Laura and I might be coming to live with you, okay? I'm going to do a sign-up genius, but the dog is coming too. Eddie's coming too. I had a picture of him, but the slides aren't working. That's okay, though. But with the Word of God, oh, there he is, there he is, yep. But with the Word of God, intersection Intersection is the norm in our life. It penetrates. It reveals hearts. It reveals who God is. It reveals what he's doing. It works on us. It actually works on us. That's what the Bible says. The words of the Apostle Paul here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he speaks to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God. It has authority right? Which is indeed, this word of God is indeed at work. It's at work in you who believe. God's word is active, activo, right? It's active. It's at work. And in conjunction with the spirit, it's, it's a chisel that powerfully wakes us up. It shapes us into who God wants us to be. It's not just a set of statements to agree with. It demands that we look at our lives. It demands that we we look at our lives in relation to what it says. And Jesus prayed in, in, in John 17. Tom talked a little bit about this last week. He prayed for his disciples that the, the word would, would sanctify them, right? It, it, it transforms us. It sets us apart. It grows in us as we yield to it. Not only that, Tom shared about it equipping us, right? God breathed out the scripture, but it's, it's useful in our lives. It trains us. The scripture also points, God's word reveals, it points where we're supposed to go, it points to what he's doing, right? We see this in, in John chapter 5, where Jesus uh, is regularly has times of frustration, he's trying to get his point across with the religious leaders, and he said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life, these are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. See, Jesus knew that the scriptures, they were pointing somewhere, right? They were, not only did he fully trust them, but he knew that they were pointing. And he knew that they were pointing to him. He was the focus of it. And the truth is, you read this, this, this verse here, these verses, you realize that it's possible, right? It's possible to diligently study the word of God and yet miss where it's pointing or to just refuse to, re to receive where it's pointing, right? So God's word in our lives is it's a maturing process, right? It matures as we, as we grow in it. And so I want to talk a little bit about what that maturing looks like. 
because it happens over time as we learn to humbly and faithfully apply the word of God. And it's a process. We're moving somewhere. We're moving towards a destination here. And one of the destinations we see in Scripture is, is to love and to delight in the words that God has spoken to us. To love and to delight in it. We see this in the Psalms. It's, it, it comes up a lot. You'll see it in Psalm 119. If you're looking this week for something to spend time with God and just soak in, read Psalm 119 as it talks so much about his word. But I want you to hear a little bit from the writers of, of the Psalms, especially in chapter 119. Um, they're going to refer to the word of God. Sometimes they call it his truth. Sometimes they call it his statutes, his rules, his precepts, his commands, his testimony. It all refers to, to God, the word that God has spoken, all right? And so I want you, just for a second, would you do me a favor? Close your eyes. I want you to listen and hear how the psalmists, psalmists feel about the, about the word of God. Listen to this. I'm going to read various passages. I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, above fine gold. Trouble and anguish have found me out. But your commandments are my delight. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. Let my soul live and praise you. Let your rules help me. You hear that? There's, there's a, something that happens in our hearts as we, as we grow and we take in the word of God. We begin to, to love and delight and just want more of that in our lives. I think also in this, in this maturing process, we, we learn to, to really just embrace how relevant and how vital the word is, how much it speaks into our very life, to our situations. It leads us to places, right? I'm going to keep reading some from Psalm 119 about how God, God's word addresses different situations we're in, right? In hardship, Psalm 119, 92, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I'll never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. God's word leads us in persecution. Princes persecute me without cause. Verse 161 says, but my heart stands in awe of your words. It leads us in grief. Verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. It leads us as we battle sin. Verses 9 to 11 says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it According to your word, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It leads us in times when we're wandering. Maybe you're in a period right now where you're, you're wandering. You're, it's an unsettling time for you. The psalmist writes, your statutes have been my songs in the house of my wandering sojourning. God's word leads us in things. It also leads us to places. Verse 165 says that great peace have come to those who love your law. God's word leads us to peace. It leads us to hope. Verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. It leads us to understanding. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your testimonies are my delight. 
They are my counselors. They're my counselor. I could go on. That's just a small part of Psalm 119. But as we, we mature, we're, we're learning to take in and see just how relevant and how vital this word speaks in the moment and throughout our life, throughout our day. And part of our maturity means that we are, we are growing in reading this, the word of God, and we're growing in understanding it, and we're growing in interpreting it. You see, we, we need to learn to grow to become so that we can feed ourselves with the word of God, right? We can't stay in the nest. We can't stay ignorant. We've got to start feeding ourselves so we can feed others as well, right? The word, the word is worth pursuing. It's worth pursuing simply because of what he's done for us, right, in Christ. But it's worth uncovering for our own sake. It's worth uncovering for the sake of our church because we're connected to each other. So when you grow, we grow. When you grow, we grow. This means we've got to push, push back uh, against some of the objections we have, right? It's just too hard to understand, we say. It's not relevant to me today. And I, I do, I think, I think it's too hard to understand if you're not in proximity to it. It's not relevant unless you take the time to understand why it was relevant then and why it still is so relevant today. So I don't buy those objections because the same thing can be said, right, about being educated in finances, about working on your car, about the nuances of fantasy football, which I still, I don't comprehend all of it, all kinds of rules around it, right? But we, we, we invest in what's most important to us. The difference is God's word is life. It brings life to us. It brings purpose. It brings meaning. We're aimless without the word of God in our life. The word is worth pursuing. It's worth uncovering. So, where do we start? Where do we start? How do we grow? We start with humility, right? And we begin just by understanding we've got a lens problem. We've got a lens problem. Our glasses are foggy. We need to wipe them off so that we can understand his word and apply his word. And so very briefly, I'm going to expand a little bit on some of what Tom talked about last week. But our view of the Bible is affected by some factors. First, it's our own cultural bias. It's our own cultural bias. As we read the Bible, we are encountering a, a culture that is very different than our own. There, and there are things to that culture and really to any culture that go without being said. We call these the things that are in between the lines of the words, right? Um, they are aspects of the culture that you don't see written down. They're, they're dynamics of language, of race, of money, of work, of time, of of how the family was structured, so much, so much more. So we need to read the Bible understanding more than just words, but understanding the in-betweens. Now, the original audience, they would have understood the in-betweens, right? They were living it at the time. We don't. We don't understand unless we do some proper cleaning of the lens. Let me give you an example. Suppose I leave you a note, and the note says this. It says, I went, to the foot, I went to Cleveland to see a football game. Okay, you see that? You go, okay, he went. 
what are the in-betweens? What are the assumptions you would make, right? Well, he probably took a car, right? Didn't walk. It probably took him two hours. It's about two hours up there. He likely took 71 North, right, to go up there. He may have had to stop for gas maybe one time, maybe. If he's going to a football game, he's probably going to the Browns. He must be a fan. He's likely going to come back disappointed. Let's be honest. I don't like it. I don't like it. But, but those are some of the in-betweens, right? We understand. And, and Paul, when he wrote the scripture, Paul, when, he, when, when they read his letters, they'd fill in the details. Well, Paul traveled. That was a three-day journey. He would stop here for water. That was a rough terrain on, on, in that place. That city was not a friendly city. Whatever it was, they'd fill in the gaps. So unless we dig in and understand the in-betweens, we're not going to see the whole picture. That's just one example. That has to do with, with travel. Culture changes, right? We've seen in our lifetime, man, cultures change. Technology changes. Language changes, right? If you hear the phrase, man, that house was lit well, that's very different than that house was lit, right? And if you don't understand the latter one, ask the kids. They know. They'll explain it to you. But if we try to fill in the in-betweens, with our in-betweens, it's going to get real confusing, real fast. There's also a cultural bias in our systems that we live in, depending on where you live, right? And here in America, we're about individual freedom. We're about liberty here, right? Life is primarily, I hate to say it, primarily about us and our culture, right? The individual. So when we come to the Bible, we read the Bible through that lens. Very often we read the Bible through that lens. Lens. Much of the rest of the world, not exactly the same, right? Many view themselves in relation to those around them in their community. Listen to this excerpt from this book, Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes. This is a great book. I recommend it. The author says this, Western societies are, by and large, individualistic societies. The most important entity in an individualistic culture is the individual person. The highest goal and virtue in this sort of culture is being true to oneself. The supreme value is the sovereignty of the individual. Okay? The author compares that with cultures that are the, where the most important entity is community, right? The family, the tribe, not the individual. A person's identity comes not from distinguishing themselves from the community, but in knowing and living who they were meant to be in the community. That's what makes people happy in that kind of a culture. And, and much of the culture of the Bible was community-centric. It was. I would say as you look at the church and what it is described to be, it's very community-centric. We belong to one another, right? Okay, so what's the point? It's this. We've got a lens. We've got a lens, and we've got to learn to clean off the lens. We've got to humbly take that into account. We read the Word of God. Let me give you an example of this, okay? Um, Paul talks in, in 1 Timothy about assembling in the church. Right, when we assemble. And this is what we read in 1 Timothy 2, verse 9. I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. And it goes on. Okay? Now, already, when you read that, you're bringing baggage, right? Maybe you felt something rise up in you, like whether you're a man or a woman, you felt something, right? Now, here's the thing. 
Paul is addressing how people are, are addressing in the assembly. In, in our society, we often look at this verse, especially in America, and we say, well, women shouldn't dress suggestively, right? We often look at it that way. But this is a, a verse about sexual modesty, okay? I believe that's the influence of our culture. Many cultures, including, I believe, the original audience, would look at this and say, this is about economic modesty, meaning don't show economic advantage, okay? Don't show that over someone else as you assemble. Now, why do we look over that ourselves, right? Because in America, we have wealth, and it is actually in our culture to dress up, right, and to show your wealth, and that works its way into the church too. It's not a concern for us to do that. It's just not. We can address why and, and that at another time, but that's an example of how we tend to bring something as we read Scripture. And so we've got to clearly unpack that to get the, the original meaning there. Um, another factor that, that fogs up our lens is our own personal bias. We read the Bible through our experience, how we were raised. We read it through our education, through our, our personal struggles sometimes with, with sin that we're dealing with, um, maybe with our family. We read it through that lens. And so sometimes that fogs things up. We, we, maybe we feel strongly about something because of that. So we grab the Bible. We look, we use the Bible to defend our position, right? And that leads us to something else that Thomas talked a little bit about last week, is that what clouds up our lens often is that we just, we read the Bible for ourselves. We misunderstand what God intended in the Word of God with the Word of God, Right? This whole account, the word of God has been put together so that you can see God's rescue mission to save us. Through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of this book. This is God's story, right? In fact, John talked about this at the end of his gospel that he wrote. He said this, Jesus did a lot of stuff, but these are written, what's in this book is written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You want to sum up God's story, man. There it is, right there. There it is. So as we grow, as we look to grow, and how to faithfully handle this Bible, and I do believe that there are times in our lives where we're going to use it incorrectly, Right? And we're going to learn and grow. And we've got to learn to, to use it correctly. We need to be faithful as we do it. But here's a couple suggestions, right? First, look at the one story. Come back to that every so often. Zoom out. Remind yourselves what this is for, right? So take time often. Remember we talk about around here a lot about creation, the fall of man, redemption through Jesus Christ, restoration someday. That is the story. Of scripture. Okay, secondly, study the in-betweens. Look at the big picture. Look at the character of God. Look at, at multiple passages when you're, you pull out one. Look at the totality of what scripture says. Never, next one, never read one verse and interpret. Get the context of what's happening around it. We can't just pluck verses out, right? We're going to see it. The election cycle is starting, right? You're going to see this happen. 
You can, you can bank on it. Scripture, a verse is going to be pulled out, right, to either blast the other side or to be used in some way to gain favor or advantage. We've got to be better than that, right? We've got to be better than that. We've got to understand the totality of what God has said. Fourth, take it to your community. We have a community here where we're meant to wrestle with the word of God together. And then also just ask God, ask God to reveal to you by his spirit. The spirit will never contradict the truth of what's in God's words. So in order to do this, I, I really do. I believe we've got to interact with the word of God daily and deeply. That means every time you spend a little bit of time in the word of God, you are growing in it. Every day that compounds, it builds on itself. I think there's also times for study. That means you, you step and you're like, I don't understand that. I'm going to take some time to, do, to dig deeper into that. I want to know, I want to understand the God who made me. So there's daily investments. I think there's, there's longer investments where you study. But you always come humbly. Always humbly you come. Now, as, we, as I start to wrap up here, I want to share with you a method, all right, that I use to study. This is just one method. Um, I've, it's been really helpful to me because it's very simple. I've probably been doing it for, I gosh, it's probably seven years now, all right? And it's called, um, it's called the SOAP method, S-O-A-P. It's also called life journaling. It's been called that as well. Um, so I do this, I do this in the morning. I, I have learned, I am not a young man anymore. <laughs> and I've learned that through my life, if it don't happen in the morning, it's not happening. It's really hard for it to happen. Now, maybe you've figured it out. That's just me. I can't. I got to start my day centered on his word. So let's talk about SOAP, okay, S-O-A-P. S of SOAP stands for scripture, right? So I begin with a section of scripture, usually a chapter. Not always. Sometimes I'll start reading. I'm like, that's too much. I'm going to just do a couple verses, right? Sometimes it's a weighty passage. Right now I'm in the book of Matthew. All right. If you're new to the Bible, let me say this. I was just having a discussion with a friend, right? And and a friend told me like he 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 wanted to know the Bible more, and and someone said just open up and read, right? Well, that's intimidating. Know that if you've got somebody you're trying to 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 share about with the Word of God, it's intimidating to open up the Bible. You get the to, to the contents. You're like, where do I read? What do I do? So help guide people. Let's help each other in that. Um, I usually send them to the Gospels. Often I'll send them to the the Gospel of John. That's a great place to start. But I always tell them, listen, in chapter 1, you're going to read about the Word. That's referring to Jesus, right? Because even you get to chapter 1, it starts the Word, right? What? What's the Word? So help people. Help each other along in that. So that's what I do. So S is for Scripture. As I read that, as I read the chapter, or whatever I'm reading, I'm asking God, illuminate this. God, God I want to be open to your spirit. What's it saying, right? I look for things that stand out as I read it. And I just put a check sometimes by verse. And then maybe two or three verses. At the end, I read them all. I get back and I choose one. This is what I do. I choose one. And I write out that verse. All right, so that's S for scripture. Then I go to O, observation. You can also say original. Because I think they both apply. Observation. So what I do is I, I restate the verse. I write it again. Uh, sometimes I'll ask, I'm asking myself the question, what did the original author 
in the context here, what did the original author want to say? How did the original audience hear this, right? And I write down, I, I write, restate the verse, sometimes in my own words. I'll write it back down again, okay? Observation. This is where a commentary comes in helpful. Because you may get to something and you're like, I just don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me. So we have commentaries, right? Um, a commentary is not inspired. Know this. It's not the word of God, but it can be helpful in unpacking the word of God. I'll put a couple up here. Um, we recommend The Bible Speaks Today uh, is a commentary series. Um, I think it's InterVarsity Press. Uh, it has a, it, it's a book for each one. It's not online. Just know that. Um, it's a book for each, uh, like the message of Genesis, the message of Exodus, and so on. That's, that's helpful. Another one is there's several sites like this, studylight.org, which, which has the commentaries built in. So you can actually look at the commentaries as you go. It has the expositor's commentary, um, the word commentary. Uh, if you want more direction that way, come up and ask us. But that, that's a couple places to get started. Okay? So that's observation. Then we, I get to application. Right? Application is... This is where I, I'm asking God, I'm asking this scripture to, to interact with my life in an honest way right now. What does God want me to learn? Why, why did I mark this verse, right? Is there something in this verse that God wants for me today? Perhaps I'm to believe a truth about God. Perhaps I'm to change direction or to go down a path. Or maybe I'm, I'm going to encourage somebody. This, we're talking about encouragement. I'm going to encourage someone. Um, you're going to learn as you do this, you'll start to get a, in a rhythm of it. But personally, I always have an action step. What's something I can do today? Right? I might read the verse again at noon or something. I might, like I said before, send a text to somebody. That's going to be an action step today. Okay? And then I get to the final uh, one of soap is prayer. Okay? And this is where I am I'm talking to God. It's a two-way Street. I'm listening, I'm talking to him, but I'm also, I'm looking at what I just read, and I'm saying, what is, God, I want to I praise you for what I read about you in this, in this section. I'm going to praise you for what I read about you. And, I, I, and God, would you help me to, to understand, to apply what I've read? Um, it's a two-way conversation. Uh, I often write it out or type it out. That's, that's how I do it. Um, what's interesting is I've done a workshop on this a couple times, and we'll go through the scripture part at the beginning, and then I'll, we'll just kind of go around and say, okay, which one did you highlight? And more often than not, nobody's got the same, same verse. Maybe one or two if it's a big group, right? You know why? It's because the word is living and active in people's lives. So as you're reading it, your heart is going to interact with it. God's spirit is going to interact with it. It's going to bring things up in your life. It's very interesting to do that with, with a group of people. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here. So band, you guys can come on up, but I just want to tell you again what we're going to land where I started. The proximity to his word is just vital for our lives as believers. Last week, Tom talked about some action steps we can take, whether we've never read the Bible before or whether we're farther down the road. I encourage you, you know, read it, prayerfully read it, read it with others, study it, study it with others. There's a, there's a step for everybody to take in this. And remember, Jesus, he fed on the living and active word of God. It is worth uncovering. It's worth us 
pursuing. So let me pray. Let's pray together. And God, I want to, to listen even now to your spirit. Even as we think about the intent of the Bible and the fact that the words were written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that Jesus is the one who came and died for us. He was worthy to do it. He did it. Jesus is the one who did not remain dead, but he rose from the dead. He had power over sin and power over death. And this is the story you gave us, God, of redemption. That we can come as we are, as, as people who have fallen short of who you are, God, and we can be forgiven, we can be made right with you, not by anything we've done, but by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. God, we worship you, we adore you today for your word. God, I pray over this entire group today because we want to be lovers of your word. We want to delight in your word. It points us to abide with the author, with you, God, to live with you. And we give you glory today, even as we hear more of your word now. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said... My reading is from Revelation 4. Uh, for a little context, Revelation was written by John, the disciple of Jesus, when he was exiled on the island of Patmos. Uh, it contains a lot of um, kind of fantastic imagery similar to some of the stuff we just read in Daniel. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, 
Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you, thank you for allowing us to worship you this morning. Señor, gracias por permitirnos adorarte esta mañana. You are holy, holy, holy God. And we praise your name. Señor, tú eres santo, santo, santo. Y adoramos, Señor, tu nombre. Jesus, we want to walk with you this week. We need you. Señor, queremos caminar contigo esta mañana. Te necesitamos. We love you, God. And it's in your name that we praise. Amen. Te amamos, Señor. Lloramos en tu nombre. Amen. Down the Lescano group. Can you guys come down here? Join me down here. If you are part of the Lescano cell group, come on down. If you've been at LCC the past couple of weeks, you have seen a couple of cell groups come forward. Uh, and we've just been praying over our groups because we love you guys. Uh, and it's the start of a new year. Also, this group's pretty big. That's why, like, half the church is coming down. Um, I, just, I realized, like, whoa. Um, but we just want to pray over you. We're so thankful uh, for the ways that you guys want another each other. Yes. Perfect. Awesome. What night do you guys normally, I'm going to give the mic to you, Amy, because you're, you're right here. You were just singing. What are you talking about? What night do you guys normally meet? On Thursday. Thursday nights at 7, right? Yeah. Okay, who is welcome? You heard it from Amy. Everyone is welcome. Um, but guys, we just want to pray over you and thank you uh, and bless you as we head into uh, this next season. So uh, let's bow our heads. God, uh, we love you. Um, we thank you for the many, many ways that you have blessed us, Lord. Just the opportunity to be here together in the building singing holy, 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 santo, santo, santo. God, you are good. You are worthy of all of our praise. We thank you so much for this whole body of believers, God, and especially in this moment, we thank you for this cell group right here that is faithfully meeting, Lord, faithfully meeting and one anothering each other every single week. Lord, we pray that you bless them. Um, please give us a good day, and we ask all of this in your name. Amen. First Sunday lunch is next week. Check the sign-up genius. We'll see you there. Have a good Sunday.